Eller to the left And it's Steven to the right It's dead and lovely podcast And we'll scare you every night We'll be scaring <laughs> that, is, that is generally what people tune into our podcast for Is a fright I mean, I expect most everybody's already tuned out by now Because they're like, okay, and the intro's done So we're out Yeah, well, yeah, whatever we say after the intro People are like I'm out of here. That's the top of your game right there. It's like, oh, this week he did a little take on Stroken by Clarence Carter. Mm-hmm. That's pretty funny. Okay, and bye. Bye. <laughs> Welcome, wonderful listeners, to this week's installment of Dead and Lovely Horror Movie Review Podcast. Here with your host with the most, Uncle Ben, and who's that very sexy, uh, sensual voice I got on the other end of this phone call here? Well, hey, it's me, your ghost with the most. Uh, the ghost of this apartment. <laughs> I didn't die of a murder or anything. I just had a coronary and, and keeled over at 70. Just uh, kind of a normal American death, I guess. <laughs> I was enjoying a cheeseburger. Oh, well, Steve Spratling, how are you doing today out there haunting them Hollywood Hills? Well, I do like to haunt the hills. Um, I'm doing pretty great. The weather is friggin' awesome out here right now. Yeah. Uh, it's hoodie weather. Hoodie weather's the best weather. Oh. I uh, haven't really done much of anything out here in these Hollywood hills. My wife and I have just been uh, chilling out, maxing, relaxing. All cool, generally. You've been straight cold lamping. Oh, yeah. I'm lamping. I'm lamping. I'm cold, cold lamping. Cold, cold lamping. That sounds like a pretty good time, man. Now, over here in uh, in good old East Tennessee, it's, uh, I don't know about there in California, but right now as we record this, it's about mid-September. What time is it for you guys over there? Um, It's about the same except like three hours earlier. Okay, so we're still about two weeks away from when it's time to, to wake up Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day at the end of September. Oh, yeah. Right, because he, man... Boy, he does not like September, or he loves it. I'm not sure. He just sleeps through it, for sure. <laughs> but as this uh, as this episode comes out, this will be the first week of October, which is, of course, the most wonderful time of the year. Of the year. <laughs> which yeah. is to say the season of Halloween time, which is my favorite motherfucking time of the year. How about you, Steve? Is that your favorite time of the year? Woo! Love me some Halloween. Shit, yeah, I do. I've already mm-hmm. started... Uh, giving a Ric Flair woo. Woo! I've also been uh, kind of going ahead and getting my house all decorated up. We, uh... Yeah, I saw some of those pictures. Oh, man, we have, like, a gigantic closet in our attic that is nothing but our Halloween decorations, and it's kind of a, it's kind of a thrill every year to start pulling that stuff down and spending... Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, to do everything, it takes it takes at least a week, I would say, to get everything out. There is a shit ton of decorations that we put up, so I kind of went ahead and started a little bit earlier than usual this year, and I do not anticipate that I will regret it. No, I yeah, I would say the earlier you decorate for Halloween, the better. The longer I can enjoy it. Yeah, and you know what? Just keep it up for longer afterward. Cause who? De- nobody decorates for Thanksgiving, so just Fuck keep no. up your Halloween stuff. Until, like, the last possible moment when you have to put up the Christmas stuff. I think it's a pro move. And, you know, speaking of the wonderful season of Halloween, today I just saw an announcement 
that we have none other than a Jamie Lee Curtis returning to reprise her role as Laurie Strode in another installment of the Halloween franchise. Did you see this? I did. I saw it. Um, I thought it would have been more interesting if they brought her back as a different character. Ooh. <laughs> like You don't well, want it about old Laurie Strode and her probiotic yogurt. Oh, man, you got to be careful around Laurie Strode's ass. That's for sure. <laughs> Something might just explodes out of there. Yeah, she might overtrust a fart after having some of that uh, yogurt. <laughs> I do love the, that promo picture that they put up. She's even kind of wearing like the, yeah, high, the high-waisted pants and the blue uh-huh. shirt like from the OG. I thought that was really yeah. cool. Yeah, it's real. Uh, like I'm real interested to see what they're going to do with it. I honestly don't remember what happened in H2O, mm-hmm. so I'll have to re-watch it for whatever uh, information might be there. Yeah. I, I, maybe they'll just maybe they'll just skip over anything that happened there, pretend it didn't happen, and just you know give us Laurie Strode from one and two. Although I think it's really cool that she's back as Laurie Strode. I really would have been more excited if they would have announced that Busta Rhymes was returning. Woo-ha, woo-ha. <laughs> he's, get, he's got Mike Myers all in check. All in check. Remember <laughs> in that, that that one they played uh, chess, and Mike Myers got real mad at the end because he was in check, and all he stabbed Buster Himes. Not partially in check. Uh-huh. All. Oh, all in check. <laughs> I'd be partially in check. Like, <laughs> I mean, I couldn't take you now, but, like, imagine if I could. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, I am excited to see what they do with it though. Um, of course, right now we don't really know anything about it, but I do know that John Carpenter is on staff for writing mm-hmm. staff, so that's fantastic. And somebody told me that I believe one of the main producer roles is Danny McBride, aka Kenny Fucking Powers. Holy shit, Kenny Fucking Powers. I know. All right. Which you, you hear that and you're like, what the fuck? But then at the same time, I'm like, you know. He's not really that much older than us, so probably those old-school Halloween movies mean as much to him as they do to us. So this might be a good fucking thing. And he's from North Carolina. I believe, uh, I don't know what it is, but most people I know from the South love horror movies. I don't know why. I know, man. I know. It's a a thing. So uh, I have high hopes. I hope that it's really, really cool. I hope that it doesn't just... um, you know, I, I hope that it doesn't just drown itself in nostalgia and try to relive all those moments from the OG. I hope it doesn't, um, you know, force awaken excel- itself to an extent. I hope they, uh, I hope what they do is just do a Halloween 3 season of the witch type where it's like not totally even different. involving Michael Myers. Oh, dude. That, can you imagine how fucking pissed everybody would be? <laughs> It'd be That'd the best. Be so awesome. But you know... That's the thing is like, I really do wish in some alternate universe that we could have seen the original concept for Halloween play itself out where the original idea was that every year, you know, they would release a different Halloween type movie, not necessarily starring Michael Myers, but it would be, you know, every year at Halloween, you get a new Halloween movie and it would be a different story every time. I do kind of wish they would have played that out. Yeah, that would have been very interesting, especially if John Carpenter had stayed on board for each of those stories yeah yeah the the halloween franchise um not exactly the most consistent some of those later installments are real bad pretty rough to watch it's pretty rough it it reminds me of when i haven't eaten my probiotic yogurt 
for a couple oh, of yeah? weeks. Yeah, that hard. Mm-hmm. It's pretty tough. Oh, man. That's got to be rough. You go to <laughs> fart and you know nothing's going to come out. It's just nothing. You're like, happening. oh, I'm not going to have to hide these underwear from anyone. <laughs> Never. <laughs> <laughs> well, Steve, in, the, uh, in this wonderful early Halloween season, have you been watching anything cool lately? Watching any good flicks or uh, shows or anything? Um, yeah. Actually, uh, my wife and I, as I said last week, we've been rewatching um, Game of Thrones, and we just finished the next to last episode. And awesome! Uh, you know, we had the the chain discussion, and of course, the simplest solution to the problem of the chains would have been to just have uh, the the dragon land on land instead of in the water, right? I I guess so, yeah, but then you don't yeah. get that climactic like, oh, it died, it drowned. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, it was it was still good though. It was still a rocking uh, episode. Um, beyond that, I watched a movie that you uh you texted me about today called Dead Awake. Oh yeah, okay. Now I haven't watched this yet. I was on Instagram earlier today and I saw a post from. Uh, Jocelyn Donahue, who is the star mm-hmm. of The House of the Devil, one of my favorite fucking movies ever. Go back and listen to our episode about that if you have not yet. Yeah. And uh, she is in a new Netflix uh, horror original movie called Dead Awake that is about sleep paralysis. And it was from the creator of Steven's favorite movie, Final Destination. Yeah, it was written by the same person who wrote Final Destination. And boy, don't spoil it. But what do you think? Uh, it's not good. Oh it's, no, is it not? It's not. I didn't like it. Uh, I I'll tell you what though. It um, it sure does seem to be in love with Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay, so it pays a lot of fan service that kind of thing, huh? Mm, yeah, you could say fan service, or you could say like uh, all of the beats are pretty much the same uh, for <laughs> a good portion of it, and there are even shots that are like exactly the same, and they even have conversations that are like. Almost exactly the same. Oh, okay. So it's just like you could say it's a big fan of, or you could say it just stole from. Yeah, yeah. You could say like somebody watched Nightmare on Elm Street and said, I could do that, but without Freddy. Oh, so it's mm. like that, huh? Yeah. Jocelyn Donahue is fine in it. I mean, she doesn't have a lot to work with. Nobody really does in it. It's not, um, it's not the most well-written movie certainly has some shades of final destination oh a lot of that a lot of that research in there uh just interesting um why that they would think they need to throw in like that cheryl for instance there's a moment where they say cheryl crow said that she once experienced sleep paralysis and it's like okay (laughs) is cheryl crow Crow gonna be in the movie like what is (laughs) I don't understand. Why are you mentioning this? <laughs> That's so random. <laughs> it really is. It really is. I, you know what though? I mean, it, it wasn't painful to watch. It was, uh, it was fine. I would say like, yeah, you know, I'm not going to rate it or anything, but I would say it's worth watching. You might watch it and, and enjoy it. I, well, I like Jocelyn Donahue so much. So it's like, I kind of just want to support anything yeah, she's doing. Yeah, she's great. Yeah. It, um, it also has Bree Grant in it, who um, was in Dexter, and it also has another guy from Dexter in it. So I'm assuming somebody involved in it was also involved in Dexter, but I didn't look into it. Huh, okay, right on, man, right on. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll have to watch it. Like I said, I, I want to support... 
I want to support Netflix doing these kinds of ventures because Netflix yeah. has really they've done some fucking cool stuff. I love the fact that when Netflix decides to do something, it's like the gloves are off and they can just do what they want. They don't have to get it approved even by the MPAA or anything like that. Yeah. They'll just make shit and put it out there. I mean, even like that that Castlevania cartoon that was like brutal and really uh-huh. uh, pretty crass in a lot of parts and stuff like that. Like that never could have been made ten or fifteen years ago. You know, never in a million yeah. years. I it seemed to me that like because um, what I I've always loved about Netflix is the weird categories that they kind of get from your likes and dislikes. Right. And that that's how I learned to just understand that my favorite horror movies are horror movies with strong female leads because it became like the top category in my Netflix. It was yeah. what they were always recommending to me. And it's like, oh, yeah, I watch those movies all the time. But they they also used to have some real strange ones uh, because I watched some British crime procedurals. It would always be recommending uh, grim uh crime procedurals to me and <laughs> i'm not i'm not that into watching like brutal deaths and rapes and things i just liked <laughs> luther luther's awesome <laughs> i haven't seen that either oh luther's great love it awesome, awesome man show. that's cool yeah so good on netflix for for branching out and trying some new stuff although hey i'm gonna go ahead and say fuck this whole we predict you'll approve of this by 93% thing. I want those oh, yeah. like fan ratings. I want that to come back. Yeah. That's yep. I miss that. Yeah, cuz it yeah, cuz it like got rid of all the information it had before and now it's like recommending shit to me that I know I'm not going to watch. I know, right? It's like no, yeah. I want to know what the average person thinks about this, not what this algorithm thinks that I will enjoy this, you know, on a scale of 1 to 100. Now, I'll tell you what too. Are you a are you a Hulu'sman? I'm a Hulu'sman. Have you seen this, like, new Hulu format they just put out? Yeah, it fucking sucks. It's weird, Jeez. isn't it? It's the worst. Like, it it it, uh, it boxes you in in a lot of ways. Like, I, yeah. I pay a lot of attention to the way they set up these streaming services. One thing I noticed with Netflix for a while, and I think it's still kind of like this, they try to overwhelm you with yeah. information because mm-hmm. I think it it leads to people not even actually watching anything. So you're still paying for the subscription and you feel like you need it. But then every time you open it up, you're like, oh, there's so much to choose from and you just back out of it. Yeah. Well, now Hulu's done the exact opposite where they you only can see the one thing at a time. And like the it's so it's not intuitive the way that like you move through the menus and stuff. I don't think so either. No, yeah. it seems more like they're trying to copy like the kind of the OS of like a gaming system, like a PS4 or yeah. a 360 or something. And it just yeah. doesn't really make sense for that service. I'm sure that, you know, just like fucking every time they update Facebook or whatever, I, I'll hate it and then I'll just get used to it because they use it all the time. But still, yeah. I, I don't know, man. That's that's one of those things that just really bugs the fuck out of me is any of these major companies that do these services that we use all the time just being like well this is working really well let's go ahead and change stuff i guess like, yeah let's fix it until it's broken again even though there was nothing wrong with it to begin with yeah i mean a lot of people out there are easily bored Ben. <laughs> yeah no doubt man no doubt I, yeah i feel like people just you know these companies just change stuff just to make it look like it's staying current and it's like dude yeah. i wouldn't care if all this shit was the same as it was fucking three or four years ago it's fine. Yeah, it, Give me new content, but just keep the interface the fucking same. It doesn't matter. As long as it's operational, 
I'm fine with it. No yeah, doubt, man. No need to change. Well, in addition to that stuff, man, I've been watching through good old Seinfeld uh, as I've been yeah. cro- chronicling as we've gone through this podcast here. We're currently on season, I think it's like season six. Okay. What's the most recent episode? We just watched the episode where the guy is cutting the candy bar with the fork and knife. <laughs> it was fucking unbelievably fantastic, oh, dude. Yeah. Uh, they they see someone eating M&Ms with a spoon. Yeah. yeah. It's like it spreads like wildfire across the city. Like uh, uh, George is riding in the car with that that football player. Uh, or no, 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 baseball player. And mm-hmm. uh, there's like a box of donuts in the car. And the guy starts eating that last donut with a fork and knife in the car. <laughs> and George is just like, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so good. And we had that other one, too, we watched the other night where George just decided to do the complete opposite of everything and it just turned his life around yeah yeah i i imagine if i did the same thing it would also end up the same way i love I, it uh, i i love that episode and i love how george and i are very similar in my own mind <laughs> Dude, George becomes just like a badass in that episode. Like you're so yeah, used to seeing he's awesome. George. You're so used to seeing him just kind of play this just like kind of crushed, defeated little dude. And then it's like he walks up to that chick and he's like, I'm unemployed and I live with my parents and I'm bald. Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah. Really? And he's just like <laughs> fucking owning it. It is the fucking best. I, I really I don't I don't know, man. I'm starting to really understand why everybody my entire life has been like that's that's probably the best funny show ever made it probably is it's so fucking funny and it's amazing yeah it it kills me too that you know like i said we're on like i think season six right now and it's every bit as funny as it was on season one maybe funnier it's like it just yeah it kind of keeps doing the same thing is the secret yeah Uh yeah exactly yeah because it's like you know the characters more and they've developed them more but i mean really Nothing in the show has really changed. It's just no. I I don't know, man. It's one of those things that like I know. Of course, you're a writer yourself, and it's like I uh, I just can't imagine writing stuff that is that consistently funny, just over and over and over and again. You know, in, in like twenty twenty two minute shows, writing stuff that is that funny that many times. That's like lightning striking the same spot three hundred times. You know? Yeah, it's insane. Uh, cause from what I've heard from the writer's room in at Seinfeld, it was, uh, it was, you know, Larry David really making the decisions and really deciding direction that they would go. But he, you know, took input from, from everybody, but he really was like real brutal and real harsh really? on, yeah, because he, he saw a perfect show. Like he saw. Yeah, Dan Harmon was the same way in the mm-hmm. community writers room. Like, like it, there are these people who are seeing a perfect show, yeah, and they want every episode to to just be perfect. They want it to completely be uh, like singular, but also fit into the narrative of all of the characters and yep. and still follow just a, a good sitcom format. Well, you know, it, uh, a good you know, Louis is great, but. Seinfeld isn't Louie. Like, Seinfeld, every episode is going to follow a particular format. It's not going to get all over the place and have, you know, real highs and real lows and, and, and get into real deep 
human emotion like Louie does, right. it's going to make you laugh over and over is what it's going to do. Yep, basically, man. Basically so. I mean, to me, it's like... And you run into the same thing, you know, playing music and playing with bands and stuff like that, where it's like you want every song to be as good as your best song. And mm-hmm. to keep that kind of momentum and that kind of consistency is insane. Because you can really watch... From everything I've seen so far, you can just turn on basically any random Seinfeld episode and laugh your ass off. Yeah, yeah, you don't need to know everything that's going on. I mean, even though there are, like, you know, uh, stories that continue through the episodes, like, you know, when they're uh, creating the show about nothing, etc., or when, you know, uh, well, I don't want to say too much, you might... uh, not have gotten there well they've been they've been running the thread lately about the the guy with the high voice oh yeah high vo- <laughs> <laughs> they mistake it for like jerry's nana on the phone uh-huh and like jerry's nana calls uh calls him and, and elaine's like nobody wants to talk to you you should drop dead because <laughs> she thinks it's the high talking guy <laughs> god it was killing me dude it was killing me it's so good now, how in the world could you mistake him for me? Oh, man. So that's about all that I've been watching lately, really. We've um, we've tucked into a couple of great, you know, kind of uh, getting into the Halloween season sort of movies, like our, our topic today, Trick or Treat, uh, uh-huh. which we'll discuss here in just a second. And, uh, you know, one thing I wanted to talk about here before we started getting into Trick or Treat, because Trick or Treat to me is one of the great, you know, getting into the spirit of Halloween kind of flicks. It's one of those, oh, yeah. like, I feel like I have to watch it every year, and it really does get me into the spirit. Mm. Kind of like how a lot of people feel about, you know, decorating their Christmas tree or uh, putting that turkey in the oven or whatever. To me, Trick or Treat is one of those flicks that whenever I watch it, I feel the spirit of Halloween rise <laughs> up in my blackened, cold heart. It really is perfect for that. It's wonderful, man. And I also have a short list of of my personal top five other flicks that really get me in the spirit of Halloween. Do you do you also have one of those on hand, Steve? No, that's I'd weird. Love to talk I about just it. sat down. I sat down and made a list, almost exactly like that. Yeah. Mine though is uh, top five scat porns. Uh, that's a little different. Okay, that's a Oh, l- uh, you know what? I'll come up with my favorite Halloween movies as we go, but I might mention some of my favorite scat points, all right? I mean, if the if if the if the pee and the poop get you in the spirit of Halloween, I'll accept <laughs> it, I guess. Oh, when I say scat porn, I mean porn that has Scatman John going through the backer. <laughs> I'm a scat man. <laughs> Now, I want to clarify here. Whenever we're talking about these movies, I'm not talking about the best Halloween-related movies, nor am I talking about the best horror movies. I know that everybody associates horror movies with Halloween, but me and Steve are year-round horror movie watchers. Right. Um, So there's a lot of movies that I'm sure are not going to make our list that are horror classics, but I'm just talking about the movies that, like... When it is, you know, around that October, late September kind of time frame, it's the movies that I have to watch. And it's also mostly movies that I only watch during this time of year. I mean, kind of like how, you you know, you'll only watch fucking uh, whatever, Elf at Christmas time. It's like there's certain movies that I'll only watch at Halloween. Um, And that's kind of what I put on my list. It's the ones that I got to watch every Halloween season that really kind of get me in the spirit. Now, 
the one that I typically see as sort of our gateway to Halloween. It's usually kind of the first sort of, you know, october sort of movie that we watch at the first of the Halloween season, which is odd because actually this movie begins at Christmas time. Is it Nightmare Before Christmas? Nope. All we, right. We actually watch that in between Halloween and Christmas because it kind of has elements of both. Right. Uh, the first kind of Halloween flick that we usually watch to sort of kick the season off is good old The Addams Family. Awesome. That's a good one. It's so good. We talked about that, I think, a couple of podcasts ago. But yeah, I think that is just such an original and singular movie. It, it has this super morbid, dark, really warped kind of sense of humor about it. It's got a great aesthetic. The way the the family and the house looks and feels and acts is wonderful. There's also this just like super awesome family dynamic within the Adams, where it's super fucked up and it's super weird, but actually they're probably a better family than you are, you know? Right. Uh, I, I absolutely love it. The casting is phenomenal. Raul Julia, fucking Angelica Houston. So many great people all over that movie. That's one of those ones that we kind of typically kind of kickstart the Halloween heart with over here at, uh, at the old Petler Inn over here at my wife and I's place. Well, I'm going to go ahead and say Nightmare Before Christmas, uh, as I already mentioned it. My wife and I don't watch it leading up to Halloween. We tend to watch it on Halloween oh. night uh, as sort of a transition to what I've said before we do, which is called Halloween Christmas, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where from Halloween to Christmas, we just watch uh, generally Christmas-themed horror movies. Yes. Uh, but Nightmare Before Christmas, we always watch on Halloween, so it always reminds me of Halloween. So that's kind of your gateway to Halloween Christmas. Yeah, it's like the perfect. It's like the perfect uh, crescendo to Halloween. The perfect like uh, the perfect night ends on Halloween with Nightmare Before Christmas, and then you know, uh, going to sleep like old people. It's so good, man. The soundtrack and everything there is absolutely unforgettable. Did you ever hear that that soundtrack record that came out several years ago that is all kinds of bands like Marilyn Manson and all kinds of other people doing tunes from the movie? I did not hear that, no. Oh, dude, I've got to send gotta it to you. check that out. It's the fucking coolest. I can't remember. I'm drawing a blank right now. I remember Marilyn Manson's on it, but there's a whole bunch of other people that do songs from the movie of course the soundtrack is absolutely fantastic um it's it's wonderful you got to try to find it on spotify or something yeah i'll check it out that's a really good choice man yeah that's that's one that we watch all the time too again kind of in between halloween and christmas but i can totally yeah. understand watching it during this this time of year now my uh my number two here on my list is gonna be a little flick called hocus pocus <laughs> That's a great one. That is a great one for Halloween. Dude, I fucking, I love it so much. And it's one of those that, like, most people that I know, they, like, grew up watching that movie. Like, that was one of my wife's favorites when she was a kid. You know, she watched that every year mm -hmm. when she was a kid. Um, it is kind of the quintessential, like, oh, you were born in the in the mid-'80s? You probably like this movie kind of flicks. Yeah, definitely. Um, kind of the quintessential early-'90s young adult, you know, uh, Halloween movie. I didn't grow up watching it. Uh, I watched it for the first time probably, I don't know, maybe eight years ago, something like that. Uh, 
Um, maybe a little bit longer than that. I can't remember. But that's one of those. Yeah, you still enjoyed it, even though you didn't see it as a kid. Exactly. Yeah, I really yeah. do. And I understand that some people don't. Like um, our friends over at the Say You Love Satan podcast, uh, I recommended that they watch it sometime because actually uh, a couple of people on the show had never seen it before. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, man, you got to watch that. I watch that every Halloween. It's just fucking good, corny, you know, early 90s fun. Uh, they didn't grow up watching it either. They did not enjoy it. It didn't get good to them. <laughs> I can understand it is super corny. It's super cheesy. It's not It's not scary whatsoever. It's just sort of a, a kid's witch kind of movie uh, with, like, Bette Midler and, a, like, Sarah, a young and very hot Sarah Jessica Parker in it. It's just another reason why we're the podcasting world champs and Say You Love Satan. They aren't. So, I mean. Ooh, come at us, bro. <sighs> yeah, come at us. Because uh, next week on Raw, we're going to have a Hell in a Cell match. <laughs> us and Say You Love Satan. <laughs> Donald Sutherland, you're going to be broken half. Raw. <laughs> but I, I, do love, I do love that movie. I, I can't not watch it. At least once every year. It's just a light fun. And actually, you're going to find this sort of as sort of a thread through most of my list here. I like light, fun, childhood, fond, memory kind of flicks to get me in that Halloween kind yeah, of spirit. Yeah, there's something, so. about, something about Halloween that you want, you know, you do want a scare, but you also want it to be fun. You want it to, you want to remember how fun it was as a kid, you know, going and asking people for candy and getting it. And yeah. that some, somehow, like... As a kid, it just blows your mind. Like, really? I get to dress up and I ask people for candy and they give it to me. Right, this yeah. This is the coolest. Yeah. yeah. Totally agreed, man. And, you know, I think probably maybe the reason that, like, a lot of my picks on my list are going to be these kind of childhood sort of flicks. You know, kind of like how I mentioned before, it's like because I was fucking homeschooled, mm-hmm. um, I've always loved movies that deal with like the high school life and high school dynamic and shit like that. Oh, okay, yeah. Because I didn't, because I didn't have that. And also, too, like when I was a kid, we kind of went through like on again, off again, like religious fervor, where some years we would celebrate Halloween and other years we wouldn't. That's awesome. <laughs> it, it wasn't. Yeah, so some years your mom would just be like. No, that's Satan. And then other years she'd be like, eh, whatever. Who cares? Yes, that's exactly true. That's exactly yeah. true. It would be that way. And it's like, Halloween's canceled. And it's like, but we did it last year and we didn't die or I'm not burning yeah. in hell. Like the devil isn't in this house or anything like that. But okay. The fact that you mention high school movies uh, and, uh, and whatnot actually moves into my next one yeah which is interesting because uh for me what this does is it has it has the look of the feeling of fall like it is set in the fall but it like the way it looks it makes you feel like you kind of smell it and you can kind of feel the crisp air oh yeah and it's strange though that the title of the movie is all cheerleaders die uh, it's about it's about uh, some cheerleaders who get some witch powers, and it's got it's you know set in high school. There's cheerleaders and football players. There's nice fall weather. There's Damn. graveyards, and it's directed by Lucky McKee, who is one of my favorite uh, horror directors right now. Damn! Um, when did this come out? I think it came out in 2009 or or maybe later. Not really? positive. 
but uh, it's I think it's on Netflix. Pretty I sure. want to say that I've scrolled through it, you know, and been like, whatever, yeah. on some streaming service. So that's good, huh? Yeah, it is good. It's surprising. I mean, because it doesn't. It looks like it's just going to be uh, can't be stupid, but it's it's going to remind you more of. Uh, it's kind of like a cool craft. Like hmm. if if oh, someone are you saying made, the craft isn't cool. What the fuck? Oh, the craft. The craft is awesome. Okay, obviously, just making sure. But, make sure. It's like somebody made it, uh, the craft, with an understanding that uh, teenagers uh, are only ironically cool. Like, <laughs> you know how like you know how like a lot of teenage movies fetishize teenagers and make us all like think like, oh, teenagers are cool, but we know they're not. Right. Teenagers aren't cool. No. We were all teenagers once, and we weren't cool. Not at all. So no. like, yeah, like I like that. Uh, it. It doesn't do that thing where we're supposed to believe everybody and it's cool. Man, have you ever done that thing where, like, you think back about being a young man and you're like, God damn, I'm so glad that I didn't have, like, social media or a YouTube yes. channel or a podcast oh, when I was a teenager? Oh, that would have been the worst. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Ugh. I would have put up so much humiliating shit that I would want erased from my history for fucking yeah. ever. But, of course, it would be unerasable, man. And you know what? Also, of course, it probably would have made you a YouTube star because that's the type of shit that makes huge stars. The bad way, you know, like the, oh, oh yeah. my God, look at this guy kind of way. It, well, you know what, though? Really? I just would have <laughs> been Davy Stranger, only younger. It's all that it would have been. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> and like this podcast would be you and me talking about like how fucking deep American Beauty was and how we really related to that fucking plastic bag blowing around in the wind and shit. Yeah, I mean, and uh, we would have been talking about Thor Birch's boobs, but it wouldn't be weird. Because <laughs> it's weird now, because she was 16 then. Oh, God, yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we'd have been 16, so I guess it's okay. Yeah, it's know. cool to talk about 16-year-old boobs when you're 16. I guess. The moment you turn, I'd say, 21, 16-year-old boobs are less cool. That's the line, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not, not according to the law, young man. <laughs> I mean, okay, it's not legal technically after 18, but if an 18-year-old was like, that 16-year-old's got great boobs, nobody would be like, you fucking gross old man. Get out of here. <laughs> but that 21 line, it just kind of becomes like, yeah, okay, just like, you okay, should not okay, be saying yeah. that. You should have graduated college already. What are you doing showing up at high schools talking about boobs? Excuse me, I really just wanted that cheeseburger and fries, and I take my fucking order. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ben, what's your next movie? Well, my next movie that I've got on my pick, and by the way, these ones that I've been putting up are kind of in chronological order. I forgot to mention that earlier. Like, oh, okay. Adam's Family's How We Kick It Off. Hocus Pocus is when it gets real. And then our good kind of like middle of the season kind of flick that we always got to watch that just uh brings a smile to my face and really does give me that ghastly spooky halloween spirit at the same time uh -huh. is uh is a little flick that came out several years ago called paranorman oh i like paranorman i love that fucking movie so much it is a stop action flick from the same people who brought you Coraline and mm -hmm. a whole bunch of other fantastic flicks a lot of work went into it oh my god it's insane like it's one of those that you'll watch it and you'll love it and then you watch the special features and behind the scenes stuff and realize what an incredible 
amount of work went into making this flick, dude. It's so mm -hmm. fun, man. And it's got the voice of Dan Connor from Roseanne playing a character. <laughs> it's also got Casey Affleck in it. I, I like that you refer to John Goodman as Dan Connor from Roseanne. That's who he is. That's who he is, dude. <laughs> and it's got Casey Affleck and a love that, like, just in a totally inconsequential like this doesn't even matter twist they make his character gay at the end of the movie for no reason yeah. it's wonderful well, yeah you know what you know what would be interesting i mean not in a, like a counterpoint sort of way but it would be interesting if at the end of a movie somebody revealed they were straight <laughs> oh no i'm straight dude yeah i've always had this like uh thought that you know because i think that a lot of what happens when people come out to their parents and friends as gay is what what happens is now your friends have to think about your sex that's true and that's why some people are grossed out by it because you know whatever they're grossed out by two dudes having sex or whatever but also because they have to think about you having sex and they don't want to uh yeah so i think to sort of even the playing field all of us always should come out to our parents and friends and just let them know what sort of sex we're interested in so that it becomes <laughs> so that it becomes less of a thing for people to come out and say i'm gay because like well yeah when your brother came out he told us he liked a thumb in his ass like mom dad i just i, I just gotta tell you guys i blowjobs are kind of the best thing for me oh okay honey well uh that's nice uh, <laughs> no but like i really like them and I like a girl to just wail on my beanbag while she's doing it. <laughs> okay, son. Okay. All we right, can just then. move on. That's quite enough. <laughs> I know what you mean, though. It's like, really, it's like, that's really what makes people uncomfortable is just thinking about, oh, so that's how you do it, huh? Okay. Yeah. I got to know now. Yeah, I mean, uh, maybe I'd, I'd love it if we lived in a world where nobody had to come out ever because it's just like, who well, fucking you can cares? do whatever you yeah, who, who fucking cares? But since we live in a world where people have to come out as, you know, straight allies, we should totally, like, make it just as awkward for everyone to find out you're straight as to find out you're gay. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that's a great idea. Just make yeah. it fucking awkward for everybody. <laughs> Yo, Steve, I heard you crack open a cold beverage there a second ago. What are you drinking on? Um, I am drinking a vodka soda lime. Mmm. Mm-hmm. Love me a vodka soda lime. You know what I had earlier today that I thought was really, really good? This is one of my one of my favorite drinks to have out on the porch. This is a good porch drink. Mm-hmm. So, of course, we all know of the uh, the good old vodka and lemonade, which is one of my favorites. Yeah, delicious. Especially when you make it with a, with a real simple lemonade, which tastes like actual lemonade, you know? Yeah. But, you know, these days, I, I actually kind of find that a little bit too sweet and sugary. So I'll typically do something like one part of a vodka, one part of a lemonade, and then one part of a uh, of like a club soda. Oh yeah, okay, I like this. It's wonderful. It's wonderful, man, because it cuts down the sweetness of the lemonade. Mm -hmm. It cuts down the uh, you know the alcoholic uh, booziness of the vodka, and it gives you a little bit of fizz. It's wonderful. Also. It'll get you drunk. It'll so. get you drunk. So I like that mm -hmm. aspect of it very much. I'm, I'm currently having a, a LaCroix peach pear sparkling water, which I love so much. The peach pear is just the jam of jams. 
Yeah, I peach pear. I'm a fan of. I also like uh, the uh, polar brand cranberry lime. Dude, that's my number one. That's my number yeah, one. It's, that's it, awesome. It tastes like a fucking Sonic cherry limeade. Yeah, it's so good. It's also great with vodka too. <laughs> yes, of course it is. <laughs> it's so good. Well, Steve, what's your ne- what's your next choice here on your list? Uh, my next choice uh, here on the list is is one that we do watch leading into the fall, and we did watch recently, Sleepy Hollow. Oh, dude, that almost made my list too because we watched that like every fucking every fucking Halloween. I love Sleepy Hollow, and so mm-hmm. many people miss the point of that movie. Yeah, I think so. Yes, I think uh, it, it's a real good flick. Just like um, you get that nice northeastern like grayness oh yeah and the there's a lot of there's a lot of fun to it like so many of the the actors are from harry potter movies so that's fun too yeah Mm -hmm. but there's like a lot of humor to it and then also it's it's really gory i know i know dude a lot of people miss the fact that that movie is is not necessarily a straight horror movie but it is an extremely dark comedy i mean to me it's like If, um, which, you know, like, of course, that's a Tim Burton flick. And it's like, to me, Tim Burton's entire aesthetic and everything he does can be directly traced back to those old gory, G-O-R-E-Y cartoons. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Edward Gorey, right? Yes. Everything that he does can be traced back to that guy's stuff. And to me, Edward Gorey's stuff was the same way, where it was super dark and super morbid, but funny at the same time, if you could look at it the right way. Yeah, yeah. My my wife has a bunch of Edward Gorey books, and they're awesome. Like, really enjoy them. Mm-hmm. They and I think also uh, the it's interesting that he picked that Washington Irving short story that like you know he didn't uh, he didn't stick too closely to right, but he did stick pretty closely to the uh, dark humor and goriness of. Uh, the short stories and and, uh, horror novels that would come out in the early to mid 19th century in America. Like that, that is, that is something I really love about say Nathaniel Hawthorne or Edgar Allan Poe or something like that is that while it's awful, like awesomely dark and sometimes really like gory and, and graphic, it's also like, there's a lot of dark humor throughout. And right. that's, yeah, that's what I love about Sleepy Hollow is just, just dark humor throughout. I think so. And dude, it's like, I think that that's why he even went to the length of like casting fucking Christopher Walken as the Hessian. It's kind of like, uh-huh. just to put it out there, it's like, hey, you guys, I'm having a little bit of fun with this subject matter. It's like, that's why I made Christopher Walken the fucking Headless Horseman. But mm-hmm. a lot of people I know, it's like they watch it and they want it to be a horror movie, like just a straight up scary movie about yeah. the headless horseman and it's it's not really that it's like you really do have to watch that movie with a different attitude than that to really enjoy it i love that movie so much man i think it's great yeah it's awesome so what's your next one man all right so my next one here on my list is one that became very endeared to me which uh again timeline wise here we're talking about you know maybe about the week or week and a half leading up to the actual day of halloween it's one that I started watching with my wife and her family way, way, way back, probably uh, at least at least you know 10 or 15 years ago whenever we met as, as young teenagers. 
Uh-huh. Whenever we got together to to carve jack-o'-lanterns, which is one of my absolute favorite traditions in all of, you know, human experience, uh, <laughs> I love carving pumpkins. I love carving jack-o'-lanterns. Every time that we get together, every year, we get together at my, uh, my in-law's place, and we watch motherfucking Mel Brooks's Young Frankenstein while we carve pumpkins. That's awesome. That is a good choice. It's one of the motherfucking absolute best i love young frankenstein and it's the kind of thing where it's like we've all watched it so many times that like you know as the movie is on and we're all there carving our pumpkins and shit like that we're basically just reciting the movie the whole time and it's it's gotten even more fun because you know over the years it's like we've also all started kind of like boozing and stuff a little bit while we do it (laughs) yeah so it's it's definitely enhanced the tradition greatly. I I fucking love that movie. It is brilliant, and there's not really a lot of kind of modern analogs to that. Not really a lot of analogs to that period where it's like kind of horror. It's very funny. It's very silly, but it's it's still like I don't know, relatively clean and family friendly in a way. Yeah, yeah. It is. It's uh. It's one I remember watching as a kid for sure. And my grandparents, I remember my grandfather watching it and just dying laughing. My grandfather loves Mel Brooks movies. Shit, yeah. but I remember watching it just as a kid. And uh, other than maybe, other than maybe like the roll in the hay jokes or whatever. Oh, it really I, is I just, love those too. <laughs> yeah, it is. It really is just like a, a family friendly, funny, goofy movie. What huge knockers. Thank you, doctor. <laughs> Thank you, Doctor. Uh, yeah. Dude, and Terry Gar is hot as hell in that movie, too. Very attractive, yes. Oh, and dude, Madeline Kahn, brilliantly fucking funny in that movie, too. I love Madeline Kahn. Oh, God bless. So she, funny. She is an all-time human treasure. Fucking love it. So, yeah. yeah, Young Frankenstein, that's one of those that, like, again, it gets me in that Halloween spirit. I only watch it during Halloween, and I always watch it while we are specifically carving pumpkins with the fam so that will always be one of my all-time jams forever and ever's so what's your next one you got on your hit list there steve well uh we talked about this one last week and i think it is going to become a tradition in my home that is monster squad yes yes the monster squad is perfect halloween movie like yeah it's got all the monsters you want all the family fun you can imagine and all the kids cussing that you need it's great <laughs> so good dude i actually and i meant to mention actually on last week's episode i watched monster squad last week for the first time ever yeah and it's, it's the it's best awesome. it's the fucking best i love it it's one of those that definitely holds up and it's not just that i was a kid and and liked it because it was flickering images on a screen like I rewatching it, it was like, yeah, this is great. The script written by Shane Black, it's quick. It's like fun. Everything that's happening is insane. There's a goddamn Dracula throwing dynamite. It's so cool. <laughs> a great Tom Noonan Frankenstein. Yeah, it has that like scene where um, even though I had seen this movie, it has the scene where Frankenstein walks up to the girl next to the lake and it's like in the original Frankenstein, he throws yep. her in the lake and she dies. Yep. And so even though I had seen the movie and I remembered the little girl doesn't die, 
I was still tense in that moment. Like, oh shit, what's gonna happen? And then it gets adorable. Cause that little girl and Tom Noonan, uh, it's like just adorable overload in that movie. Uh, we gotta cover it on the show sometime, man. Cause oh, I, absolutely. I mean, like I said, I didn't grow up with that movie. Um, I literally just watched it for the first time like a week ago, and I was instantly in love with this movie. Like as soon as it starts, I'm like, oh fuck yeah, this is the best. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like the movie that I always wanted to watch when I was a kid. You know? Yes, it's exactly it. Cause it's like it's like Goonies with monsters. It's like yeah, little. It's like it's got. They've thrown in the bad news bears elements. Yep. yep. Uh, little kids looking at boobs and cussing like you need that. It, it is everything you want as a kid. And then as an adult who came out of that period of time, it, it's so nostalgic. Like I, I imagine for kids today, it would be like, that's weird. Why are those kids cussing? And why is that one kid smoking, etc.? But like, it's so nostalgic. Oh, it's even got the fucking older brother from the Wonder Years as a bully. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect bully, though. Like, that kid's face is just bully. Oh, man, dude. And how about that fucking soundtrack with that rock until you drop? Party till your heart falls out. Oh, or man, dude. And then, like, that rap at the end. Yeah, the forces of evil and the something, something, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> we the monster squad. Monster, monster squad. Uh. Here comes a monster squad. I love it's so funny that you put that on there because actually I have that here in my list as like honorable mention that's new to the flock here fucking monster yeah. squad uh, I, that's one that I'll watch every year I, I fucking love that movie so much mm-hmm. so what's what's your final one Ben what's numero uno my numero uno's here on my list so my last one was when uh, you know we watch young Frankenstein whenever we carve jack-o'-lanterns with my in-laws but mm-hmm. here's the truth. My wife and I also have our own individual pumpkin carving night here just by ourselves. What? We, yeah, we double up on them jack-o'-lanterns because we, we love doing that. And whenever we do our own private solo jack-o'-lantern carving ritual here at the house, we yeah. watch, of course, none other than motherfucking John Carpenter's original Halloween the best dude the Wait, when best. you guys when you guys do it like solo do you call it uh jack off a lantern <laughs> yeah that's exactly mm-hmm. right <laughs> <laughs> it's just the best dude and you know what i said at the first of this that you know these are the movies that i only watch during this during this time of year that's a lie halloween i will watch Anytime under any circumstances. It's one of my all-time favorite movies. I fucking love Halloween. But to watch that movie during, you know, because we we usually do ours here at home, like our our Jack Lennon's here at home, like, you know, the week before Halloween or just a couple days before. So that's like when you're you're at the peak season of Halloween's, and we always got to watch that whenever we carve. So I, I love everything about it. Of course, it takes place on the night of Halloween. And it's the motherfucking best. It's so saturated in everything that is Halloween. There's jack-o'-lanterns, there's trick-or-treaters, there's scary movies on TV in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of the best slashers of all time, even to this day. I love everything about that movie from start to finish. And yeah, uh, yeah so that's that's kind of number one on my on my chronological list. Well, Ben, um, I 
had two options at number one. Yeah. You just picked one. Yes. I knew I knew that it, you might pick Halloween. Oh yeah. So I put as my secondary option Scream. Oh, uh, nice. Scream is one of those movies that really gets me in the mood to watch other horror movies. And nice. I d I did watch it earlier this year, but I normally watch it around Halloween every year. And it just gets me in that mood to watch other horror movies. It makes me, I don't know why, like, uh, I need to watch a meta horror movie. I need to watch a horror movie talking about horror movies to really get into that. Just, I want to sit down and watch horror movies for months on end yeah. mood. But Scream does that to me. Every nice. time I watch it, it just makes me want to sit down and watch more and more horror movies. And so it's perfect for the fall and the time around Halloween. It's so good, man. I, I love it too. I was actually just talking about that earlier with some friends over dinner and stuff. I was talking about how like that movie still holds up. It's still really fucking good. Unlike, you know, when you go and watch a lot of other horror flicks from that same kind yeah. of era that have not aged gracefully, Scream <laughs> still holds up. That's still a really cool, really, really excellent flick. So yeah, I definitely respect that choice, Steve. That's a good one. I'll, I'll tell you, I had a really hard time narrowing this list down to just to just five choices um me too i had a whole lot more yeah because there's so many uh there's obviously some glaring emissions like fucking ghostbusters and stuff like that that yeah that's a great one that's one of the all-time best movies ever so mm -hmm. actually i'm kind of thinking right now probably on my youtube channel over on youtube.com backslash ben eller guitars uh mm -hmm. i might even just go ahead and put up a little video list of my top 10 favorite Halloween Hell flicks. Yeah. So uh yeah, go and scope that out. Maybe uh maybe I'll have put that up by the time this airs. The one I didn't name that uh would have been probably number five if uh if I hadn't uh thought of all cheerleaders die would have been Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Uh, that is a yeah. real great fall movie. Like a lot of pumpkins, a lot of those outdoor like shots that just look like perfect fall weather mm -hmm. really enjoy it it's kind of the spookiest really of the harry potter flicks too mm -hmm, for sure it's so good man but you know really another one of those that i've absolutely got to watch every year that we're getting into the halloween season is definitely fucking trick-or-treat I, I watched this movie for the first time oh yeah um it's probably been about Eight years or so ago, I sat down and watched it with my buddy Brandon Suttles, who I've mentioned on the show many times, who will be a, a guest star here on a future episode here in a few weeks, which will be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I sat down and watched it with him. It was actually one night where he was over at the house, and my, my wife and he and I were watching some other flick. And then she went to bed, and we're like, hey, we're thinking about watching this trick-or-treat movie. And she's like, whatever, I don't really care about it. Because really, honestly, like judging from the box art and stuff, it doesn't seem that fantastic. She's like, yeah, you guys can watch mm. that without me or whatever. Brandon and I sat up and watched it, and we're like, god damn, this movie is so good. And uh, I told her the next day, I was like, yeah, you have to watch this movie. And so we, we watched it again, I don't know, a week or two after that, and she, she loved it too, so... It's kind of become a huge tradition with me. When was the first time that you watched this movie? Um, it had to have been probably about uh, seven or eight years okay. ago, I would mm -hmm. think. Yeah, it, it's um, I probably saw it around the time that it came out because it it um it showed at a few theaters, but it 
uh it didn't really come out in a wide release it then it came out on demand and on video and i i believe it was on netflix not long after that mm -hmm. i remember seeing it for the first time and just being like yeah yeah this is perfect like this movie like it, it's fun it uh it has like it's sort of like maybe almost like a uh scary stories to tell in the dark turned into a movie almost yeah mm -hmm. like because each individual segment has like that sort of creepy twist or turn to it that is really um reminded me a lot of scary stories to tell in the dark uh, I also love how light it is and how fun it is. Like, it, there's a lot of dark comedy in this uh, awesome fucking movie. I agree, and, man. And it, it uh, it's well acted and, and just well done in general. I totally think so, too. And, you know, it's interesting because you could you could generically describe this movie as being an, an, an anthology flick along the lines of, like, a creep show or shows sure. on the dark side or something like that. But it's actually... It's quite a lot different from those kinds of movies because your typical uh -huh. classic horror anthology flick, you know, you have a framing device, typically, whether that be, you know, the Crypt Keeper telling you individual stories or like our little kid in Tales from the Dark Side who's, you know, reading stories from this book. And then you just sort of have, you know, typically between three to five little short movies that are their own little self-contained, um, you know, stories that act in their own universes and so on and then after that story is done it goes back to the framing device then after that it goes back to another story then back to the framing device lather rinse repeat it actually um it reminds me i would say best of pulp fiction yes in the way that it's told that's exactly yeah. what i have written in my notes dude which you know yeah. it leads me to an interesting point is pulp fiction an anthology yeah see that's a that's a good question a pulp fiction fits more into the uh the element of pulp fiction itself that is a bunch of individual crime neo like noir yeah. stories mm -hmm. in one little magazine but they weren't necessarily held together right and yeah. that's that's what pulp fiction adds to it is this like thread that runs through it that holds all of the stories together and trick-or-treat does exactly that where mm -hmm. all of these stories are happening all in proximity to one another and you can see characters from other stories in the background of, of different stories. Yeah. But it's all one night in one area, one small area, and all has a, a similar theme. And that theme is that you need to keep Halloween tradition or bad things can happen. Wow. So you think that's kind of the moral thread that kind of runs through the, the stories? Yeah. Yeah, that uh, yeah the 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 moral of the the tales is that if you keep the Halloween traditions, if you uh, you know set out your jack o' lanterns, you give out candy, etc., then you should be safe from evil spirits. But it also then like put like puts that back on itself, and we get the story of the principal who like gives us the information about how you're supposed to keep these traditions to keep the the evil dead spirits at bay but then he ends up ironically getting killed even though he keeps all the traditions but he gets killed by werewolves well that's because he's going around tricking and not treating he yeah tricks, he's not treating yeah he tricks the kid into eating the poison candy and he yeah. ends up kind of like tricking that chick into uh well he bites that chick when he's in the vampire kind of costume so he kind of gets punished. 
that's the thing that I think I, I said about it, that if your story hangs on belief, that it's, it's a real flimsy pretext and can easily fall apart. Well, this doesn't hang on belief, mm -hmm. but to survive Halloween, not only do you have to keep the traditions, but you have to be a strong believer. Right. So the the people who are strong believers and the people who keep the traditions are the ones who survive trick or treat, and everyone else gets uh, gets the axe. That's a good point. And you know, really, now that you're pointing that out, it's like I'm thinking about the characters in the movie that kind of made kind of made their way through it alive. And yeah, they were the ones that did kind of uphold the traditions. And this is a really cool flick because to me, I don't know, man. It's like. I don't, do you do do you define this as a horror movie? Is this a horror movie? Yeah, I, I think it, it fits all the the it hits all the little check marks on the list for a horror movie, but it's it's different. Like it it has more of a whimsical feel to it. Yeah, because it's it's definitely fun and funny. Yeah, yeah. It actually it reminded me a lot of uh, Tales from the Dark Side, the show. And Tales from the Crypt, the show, where a lot of the stories kind of have ironic ends mm -hmm. that are, they're, they're darkly funny. And so it, and it's interesting because one of the main segments, which is when you have Mr. Krieg and uh, Sam, which is the little footy pajamaed, uh, cute little Halloween spirit or whatever, the Mr. Krieg and Sa Sam segments where they're basically fighting in the house reminded me a lot of one, uh, an episode of Tales from the Dark Side called Halloween Candy, which is directed by Tom Savini. Oh. And uh, if you watch that, I mean, there are some major differences, but there are also some real similarities where you can see how uh, one is inspired by the other. But what you get from both of them is like this funny sort of ironic twist at the end. Um. And and I think this this movie really relies on that. So it's still horror, but it's it's more like it's more like the anthology shows than it is like an anthology horror movie. Well, see, to me, this movie, you know, again, it's easy to kind of to kind of classify it as horror, but it's so fun, and it's not it's not really necessarily very scary throughout the flick. No, it's more of like like let's say a movie like Cabin in the Woods where. It's clearly okay. a movie that was made for horror fans. It's not necessarily a horror movie itself, but it's definitely made for horror band or, or horror fans. Um, kind of in the same way that like a band like Ghost, they're not necessarily metal, but they're uh -huh. definitely a band for metal fans. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I see like how that plays out, and like I think that might be a separate genre within horror. Yeah. I, I wouldn't know what to call it, uh -uh. but it, it, it does. A, it pays a lot of fan service and it definitely is something where like the, say for instance, the werewolf women segment, the thing we're supposed to be expecting is that something bad is going to happen to these girls. Right. But it's subverted. And you know, your average viewer would probably not so somebody who doesn't like horror movies very much would maybe find that interesting, but a horror movie lover is watching it and seeing all it, it's hitting all those points where you're like, Oh, this is going to end bad for 
this girl dressed as Little Red Riding Hood. Yep, yep. And then it's totally subverted and totally like awesome ending yep. where she's a fucking werewolf. <laughs> well, that's the thing about this movie is because it is playing on the expectations of the horror movie fan. It's yeah. not playing on the expectations of the of the usual normal person that just watches regular flicks. It's like this is totally written for horror fans to be like, oh, you think this is what's happening? No, this isn't what's happening. Yeah, but it's not like um, it's not overly rot. Like it's not trying too hard to trick you. No, uh -uh. it's just it lulls you in with you know your expectations. It lulls you in, and then it just. Uh, subverts them pretty gently like you you're expecting oh no this girl's walking down a dark forest path and there's a guy uh, after her who we've already seen kill another girl like things bad are gonna happen and then it, it does happen bad certainly for that guy uh, but that's not you you really expect him to be the predator and yeah. he ends up being the prey. Absolutely so, man. And that's that's the cool thing about this flick is the way that it does toy with your expectations if you are a horror movie kind of watcher. Now, in this flick, it is constantly going in and out of the narratives and timelines of about five different yeah. stories. Very much like Pulp Fiction does, where it's like, again, unlike other anthology films that tell you story A, start to finish, story B, start to finish, you're constantly yeah. going in and out of you know, story A, which takes place at nine o'clock, and then story B, which starts at about seven o'clock and ends at midnight. Um, the timeline of the movie overlaps over itself uh, many times throughout the course of these five storylines. I kind of want to spend a little a little minute here with uh, with you and talk about each of the five kind of okay. storylines that were introduced to over the course of this flick. Now, the first one that we see is the storyline of the couple, which has gone out to trick or treat and Halloween parties and stuff like this. And uh, basically, our our female uh, character in this storyline here is the one that is not, as you've said before, the keeper of the Halloween flame. She's the one that's just like, whatever, let's just get this done and over yeah. with. Uh, I've got better better things to do. And she becomes the first victim of who we come to know as Sam, who's a little uh, pumpkin head kid later on in the flick. But the thing is, she's the first victim we see, but she is, in fact... I think the last victim of the movie. Oh, that's a great if point. If you follow yeah. the timeline, Dude, because that... Sam is yeah, you're right. He has his uh, his lollipop that he is bitten into. Yes, and yes. he shoves that in her mouth. But he bites into that after he attacks Mr. Krieg, and Mr. Krieg dies. I think a little bit before she dies. I think that you are absolutely correct. I think you're great, if not simultaneously. Yeah, it might be simultaneously. They live near each other, and the, the stories seem to happen about the same time. They, what we do see, though, for sure, is right before we see uh, Emma and... Uh, I can't remember the guy. The yeah, guy is from Battlestar Galactica, and uh, if you haven't seen Battlestar Galactica, just go watch it. After you listen to every episode of our podcast and rate and review us on iTunes, go watch <laughs> Battlestar Galactica. Um, anyway... What we see right before that, though, is we see Rhonda, who we see later with the little kids that go out to the quarry. We see her walking across the street, and she has behind her her uh, wheelbarrow, which has uh, blood all over it. So she has already walked back from the quarry 
I didn't and notice is, that. is near her house. And she almost gets hit by a car. In that car are the werewolf women who are leaving from having werewolfed those dudes. So, uh, really? I, I get, yeah. So that's, that's the first stuff right after the awesome opening title, like comic book sequence. We, we see that stuff. So I'm guessing that, uh, hmm. Emma gets killed and Mr. Krieg get killed. They're the last two to die. That's so cool. I did not, I did not notice the stuff with the little witch and the, uh, and the wagon. I got to go back and rewatch that. That's so fucking cool, man. I've seen this yeah. movie like eight times at least. And I've never, I've never noticed that before. Yeah. If you, if you pay attention to any of the downtown party scenes in yeah. the background, you will generally see Emma in her robot costume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like almost all of the scenes where like there's a bunch of partying going on downtown, you see her, which means that they didn't leave until much later in the evening. They were, they were still down there while everybody else was, you know, going through their story. I love in their story too, whenever she, um, she gets pulled under the sheet by Sam and Sam uh-huh. pulls out that lollipop and kills her. How we just see from the exterior of the sheet, like that explosion of blood from under the sheet. Yeah. Oh, and there are kids so standing there. Yeah. There are kids dude. like watching. Yeah. And they're like, oh, we got to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I that, really that like is, that. That is a, um, that in this movie, there, there's the obvious idea that, if you see people like covered in blood and stuff on Halloween, you don't know to react negatively to it. Mm-hmm. And cause and Halloween. That, yeah, it's Halloween and that has proven true. I mean, just last year, a woman accidentally had hung herself on her, um, fence in front of her house and people yeah. thought it was a Halloween prop for a couple of days. So yeah. like, people will, and it's, I mean, it's part of the season. But it's like, it's a real premise to this movie that if you see someone with scratches or screaming or whatever during Halloween, you're just like, oh, well, probably because it's Halloween. Yeah, exactly, man. It's cool. Their storyline is really short, but it does introduce, like you said, I guess kind of subliminally a lot of the characters of the movie. And then also, too, is actually kind of the finale. Now that you mention it, it starts with Mm -hmm. the finale, um, which is an interesting, again, very Tarantino, very Pulp Fiction-y kind of thing, um, which adds to the replay value of this movie a lot, too, because you can watch it the first time and be like, oh, wait, that guy died earlier. Okay, this must uh-huh. be earlier in the night, just like you do yeah. in Pulp Fiction. And then you watch it again a couple other times just to figure out the timeline. It's it's really, really, really cool. So their storyline is definitely the shortest, but you do see threads of their story appearing throughout the other ones. Now, Another story that we get introduced to there is the story of the of the werewolf girls, which is kind of uh-huh. starred by Anna Paquin. Yeah, they're they're at a costume shop putting on costumes, and you get uh, you get throughout. I mean, once you know that they are werewolves, which is a reveal much later in the movie. Mm-hmm. Once you know that they are werewolves, and you watch it, you get that they're like laying hints throughout. Like, oh, for yeah. instance. Uh, the girls are talking about how uh, they got dates last uh, Halloween and they were sailors and one of them ended up being a girl and one of the other girls, the girl who was with the girl says, it doesn't matter, it all tastes the same. Yeah, and that other chick's like, I got sick, I had some, ba- I had some bad Mexican or something like that. Yeah, exactly. 
and then also there are the even subtler things where uh, i mean it's very obvious with anna paquin wearing the little red riding hood outfit but also one of the girls is dressed as a little bo peep so mm-hmm. uh you got the sheep thing and then the place where they're gonna go party is called sheep's meadow right yeah uh, and then they also have stuff where like later like my what big eyes you have etc like going throughout there all these big like uh signposts saying like these are werewolves but you don't notice them at all Mm-mm, until no. you know that they're werewolves and then you're like oh right okay that all makes sense i love it too because like you know all the chicks are of course like super hot and really attractive and stuff yeah and in a lot of these horror flicks you know you'll have like super hot chicks that are vampires like lesbian vampires or something like this and it's very like Mm -hmm. I don't know, it's very much appealing to the male audience and so on, but I love that in this one, you know, you get introduced to these super hot chicks, and they're talking about hooking up with guys and girls indiscriminately and all this stuff, and you're like, oh, yeah, these bitches, yeah. (laughs) And then, like, the conclusion is they turn out to be these super fucking disgusting, hairy, gross werewolves. Yeah, Yeah, it's like one of the most not sexy things ever. Like, they pull their skin Mm -hmm. off. Yeah. And they're disgusting. They rip their skin off, and they have werewolf bodies underneath. And they're great-looking werewolves, too. Apparently, they're created by the same team that did the werewolves in the Underworld flicks. Oh. And they look fucking badass, partially because they're real. There's there's a (laughs) shot or two in there that's CGI. Um, Yeah, but it's mostly practical effects on the werewolf makeup, for sure. Exactly. And, you know, it's the kind of thing where, just like in a lot of the old great horror flicks from back in the day... Okay, no, you don't see a full body werewolf on screen doing a fucking cartwheel or whatever. A lot of the shots are just isolated, you know, heads or hands or haunches or whatever. You don't really see a lot, but that's yeah. what makes it better. God damn it, I wish that everybody in Hollywood would figure this out. Yeah. Um what's real interesting to me is that there aren't, you know, through the werewolf movie timeline there aren't a ton of female werewolves no and that's because the werewolf is supposed to represent something about the bestial nature of man coming out Mm. it's a similar to jekyll and hyde thing it's it's primarily meant to be masculine right in that like a man can be just a regular seeming individual but in the right circumstance yeah in the right circumstance he turns into a beast but then when you see uh, this happening with women, it, it's like it, there's no way to avoid that it's in some way a message about like women have sexual appetites too. Right. Women want to be like gross too. Like they want to mm-hmm. be able to just fart in front of their significant other. <laughs> they want to do, yeah. Peel like, their skin off, stuff like this. Yeah, they just want to be gross just like dudes do. And so there's like, a, it's a real cool moment because up to this point these female characters other than anna paquin's character have been like they've they've been very uh open about sex and like being real like and they're hot and their boobs are out and stuff well yeah but they're they, yeah, they're also like dudes they're being like real overt about it mm-hmm. and, and so like it's a cool thing to see i like that too it definitely again Place to the pe- place to the uh, place to the audience of horror movie fans that typically are not used to experiencing that kind of thing in flicks, which I think is really is really cool. And in that werewolf storyline, they also have an encounter with 
uh, one of their victims, which we're introduced to much earlier on in the movie, which I love that when we're introduced to uh, the 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 school teacher character, he's very much the like principal, yeah. the principal. Yeah, there you go. He's like in a position of power and dominance and stuff. Whenever he crosses over into their world, he gets fucking dominated and killed by these chicks. Yeah, uh, which I, I love seeing too. Now this guy, what is his fucking name? I've got the IMDb pulled up here. Hang on, Steven Steven Wilkes, I think. Yeah, that guy uh, that plays the principal. Oh, I don't know the actor's name. Oh, okay. Well, he's one of those guys that like you've seen him uh-huh. in a yeah, you've million seen him movies. in a million things. Yeah, that he's just he's that guy. Like he's a great character actor. Where yep. Dylan Baker you, is his name. Dylan, Dylan Baker, Baker. Yeah. And to me, dude, whenever I see that guy, I think about this movie that he was in, I think in the late 90s or early 2000s, called Happiness. Have you ever seen that movie? Uh-uh. It is beyond fucking weird, dude. It's kind of a movie about a whole bunch of different characters and their own little storylines. Kind of sort of like this, I guess, but not a horror, not funny at all. Um, it's fucking weird, dude. And in this movie, he plays like a pedophile who is basically, dude, he's planning on like drugging and raping like one of his son's friends in this movie. It's fucking weird. So every time I see this guy in a flick, I'm like, oh, it's that pedophile guy. (laughs) He's great in this. And I love, I'm very interested in his character who is simultaneously a child killer Mm-hmm. And uh, a woman killer. And at the same time, a family man that has a son that he loves and, and so yeah. on. Yeah, and teaches him important things like uh, how to carve the eyes out of a fat kid's head. Out of Thurman Merman from Thurman Bad Santa. Thurman Merman's head, yeah. <laughs> Dude, it's so good. Basically, his whole story, you know, his main story here is that he tricks a kid that goes to his school into eating this poison candy and kills him and is going to carve his head like a jack-o'-lantern along with his little boy son who's like yeah maybe seven or eight years old or something like that yeah and his story is actually i would say the central story because it's the one that touches the most uh, characters yeah the most characters because after he gives thurman merman the poison candy and there's a real comical scene of him moving a fat kid who's spurting blood everywhere around his living room. Also, that vomit scene is just one of the grossest vomits in any movie Real ever. gross. Oh, the sound effects yeah. and stuff are so fucking uh-huh. gross. As as he's dealing with all that and there's blood all over his floor, trick-or-treaters come to his door, and those trick-or-treaters are Macy and her friends, who yep. we will see in a later story. Yep. And behind Macy and her friends are is Sam, who he gets... Uh, a candy bar from him and that candy bar has a razor in it that he sam then uses in the scene later with mr krieg oh shit does it really yeah Yeah. uh and and whenever you know after those trick-or-treaters etc it shows um uh principal wilkes go into his kitchen and you see he has set up a uh, candy bar that he's slipping uh, another razor into. So, I noticed that this time. Yeah, there's like yeah. all kinds of bottles of like cyanide and shit like this along with these candy bars. Yeah, and then uh, uh, Principal Wilkes is in the back in the hilarious scene, but he has a conversation with Mr. Krieg, who is his neighbor. Mm-hmm, and, yep. and then later, of course, he is the vampire who's with the, the werewolf chicks and stuff. So it's like... 
uh, his story is pretty central to everything that's going on. Very much so. He the the scene where he's in the back burying uh, Thurman Merman, and there's another kid in the hole where he's burying Thurman Merman. Um, it's so funny. One of the funniest things that happens in this movie, his son <laughs> says, he says somebody is an asshole, and his dad who is covered in blood, burying two kids, and is going to go out in a little while and kill one woman and try to kill another, says, language. Yeah. <laughs> so perfect. Because it's, it's like, I mean, like, that that's in some way like a, a poke at the MPAA because, like, language can get you an R rating, but violence can still be PG-13. Like... But it's also, like, just this perfect ju juxtaposition of, like, yeah, we cut up bodies in this family. Like, we cut eyes out of children's heads, but we don't say assholes. Yeah, exactly. That's too far. Cross the line. It's really cool, man. And then there's also stuff in there, too, about, like, he mentions how his wife died and all this kind of jazz. It's yeah. like, you really got to wonder what this what this character has kind of gone through or whatever. Uh, really, really, really fantastic. You're right, though. I guess he is kind of the hub of this whole thing, and you actually even see him um, way earlier in the movie at that kind of Halloween downtown festival scene. He's standing yeah. down the street, too. Yeah, he's he's uh, standing there with his grocery bag, and Thurman Merman walks by yep. with his disgusting bag of candy dragging on the ground. Ah, uh, so fucking gross, dude. Fucking Thurman Merman. In case you're wondering who Thurman Merman is out there, he's a uh, the kid in Bad Santa. <laughs> yeah, that's who he'll fucking always be, dude. Mm -hmm. It's so good. Um, so okay, so the uh, principal thing sort of plays out. He buries the kids in his backyard and then goes in, and his son is talking this whole time, like how. He wants his dad to help him learn how to carve the jack-o'-lantern, especially needs help with the eyes. And then they go down to the basement, and there's this sort of tension, like maybe he's going to kill his kid. Yeah, he's got the knife up above and all this. Yeah, but actually what he's doing is carving Thurman Merman's head up. They're, you know, going to, I guess, remove the eyes and, I don't know, maybe put candles in them? I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know. know. It's not really clear. But it's it's a really good, like, funny sort of reversal of what you're expecting there. And then we get into the story of the kids, Macy, and I don't know the other kids' names, but one of them, I guess, is her younger brother. The girl who plays Macy, though, is the sister from Dead Like Me, which is a, a really cool show. I think it was on Showtime back in oh, the day. Cool. Yeah, have you ever seen it? I have not seen it, but I heard that it was cool. Yeah, Dead Like Me is a is a fun show, and uh, has Mandy Patinkin in it, so that that's oh, always sick, awesome. Oh, sick man, he's an ego Matoya. That's right. Um, so yeah, then we have those kids, and they're going around to get jack o' lanterns, and <laughs> they, there's that uh, funny scene where they knock on the door of the adults having a Halloween party, and basically it's getting wild in there. Yeah, um, <laughs> I love that scene. And uh, apparently one of their gym teachers is dressed up as a as a hot dog. And the little boy says that he saw coach whatever, uh, but fucking a pig. Yeah, which is <laughs> hilarious. Great. But if you pay attention, 
later in the werewolf scene in the woods, yeah. there's a guy in a hot dog costume. No shit. Really? Yeah, so apparently Coach What's-His-Name got werewolfed. Oh, dude, that's so fucking cool. I didn't notice that either. Dude, like, that's, again, this movie has such great replay value unlike a whole lot of other mm-hmm. flicks where it's like you've seen it once you see the twist the reveal whatever it is yeah and you're you're kind of done with it forever this has great i can watch it again and again and notice different stuff every time kind of value that's so cool i had not noticed that their whole objective is that they're gonna play a prank on this weird little gothic chick who is kind of the yeah. one that sort of values Halloween the most and understands its traditions and origins and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, she's awesome. I mean, um, she she looks like my niece, so I automatically oh. like her. Um, but she's also just like a, this cool, nerdy little girl that they're like dicks to. This is an interesting segment of the movie because I think it's the best segment. Mm-hmm. But it also is like based on a prank, so I'm like, "Well, fuck you." But <laughs> like, it's still it's still the best segment. Like, we were watching this the other night, and we were kind of observing that, like, this definitely seems like the segment that the filmmakers put the most love into, that put the yeah. most attention to, you know, stuff in the sets and the costumes and and all kinds of stuff. It seems like this is kind of the one that they really did sort of put the most, you know, work into of any of them. Yeah, and so, I mean, the basic story is that uh, these four kids, including uh, a, a guy who I guess is either Macy, the cute blonde girl, is either interested in or they're dating or something, and they use his cuteness to lure out Rhonda to this crash site at a quarry where... There's this story that is told about 30 years ago. uh, Some parents who were tired of taking care of their special needs kids paid a bus driver to drive the bus into a quarry. Right, yeah, which is real, which is real twisted and fucked up. And then basically those kids haunt that site and come back and kill people and blah, blah, blah. They're just trying to play a prank on, on poor Rhonda there, who's just kind of the weird you know, outcast of the bunch or whatever. But then they kind of end up getting tied up in some shit because... Turns out they were right. That is real. Yeah. Yeah. And Rhonda, uh, smartly leaves them behind because she's like, I believe in the traditions of Halloween. I'm safe. Fuck y'all. Yep. And turns out she is. I think that you're right. I think that this is very much about respecting the traditions of the, uh, of the holiday. Cause even when we're introduced to her character, she's talking about, you know, Oh, it started off as the tradition of, uh, you know, Sam Hain or Sawin, as she says it or mm-hmm. whatever in the flick. Uh, she understands the history and the mythology and all that jazz, and as a result, she's safe. Yeah, and it seems like the people who uh, do the tricks are the ones who get the tricks. That's exactly right. And the ones who are more into the treats are the ones who get the treats. That's right, man. And then that also kind of comes true with our our sort of final character of the anthology, which is uh, Mr. Krieg, played by the amazing Brian Cox, which is fantastic. Yeah, I love him in so much stuff. Man, he's So great. surprising the first time I saw it, just like, why is it? Like, I mean, the people in this movie aren't lightweights, but, like, Brian Cox is in this movie. What? Well, and the thing is, too, is it took me a while to recognize him. I recognize him by voice more than I did by sight because he's wearing some facial prosthetics and stuff in this movie, yeah. too. Yeah, he's got some makeup on and stuff. It looks like he looks like they did something to maybe indicate that he had been in an accident. Yeah, yeah. Well, and apparently yeah. too, like his 
the look of his character and stuff was apparently based on John Carpenter. Oh, okay. And here's the thing too. And and this is something that like I noticed whenever we were watching it for the first time, or I noticed for the first time when we were watching it the other night. And then I read some Uh other stuff online a second ago that kind of confirmed it. So again, his appearance was sort of based on old grizzled haggard, John Carpenter, one of my favorite people Uh ever to live. And, there's a part during that scene where the uh, the school principal is burying those bodies and stuff. Mr. Creed's uh-huh. dog comes over and barks through the fence. Uh-huh. Uh, his dog, Spite, which I think is an awesome Spite. name for a dog. Yes. <laughs> and, dude, he Brian Cox, as Mr. Krieg, as John Carpenter, goes out of his house and he goes, Spite, get your ass out of here. <laughs> he does. He says it just like yeah. fucking, uh, yes. just like Inspector Loomis says in Halloween uh-huh. when he's spooking get the kids out of the house. Get your ass out of here. Nani, yeah. get your ass out of here. He says it just <laughs> like he him. He does. I didn't think about that at all. That's uh-huh. exactly how it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that Holy has shit. to be lifted straight out of Halloween on purpose. And then there's also a part where um, whenever he's being terrorized by Sam in the house, he mm-hmm. goes, you've got to be fucking kidding me, which is a line uh-huh. from The Thing. That's straight out of The Thing. Yes. Goddamn right, man. I know. Hell yeah. So that character Good. is just a straight up homage to John Carpenter, which makes me love this movie even more because, I mean, dude, you can watch this movie and it just reeks of being made by somebody who loves horror movies. I mean, just like how Cabin in the Woods is, where it's like, it's not necessarily out to be the best horror movie of all time it's not trick or treat is not out there trying to be the best horror flick ever it is out there being like i love horror movies and i want to be a part of this and give people that love horror movies something to enjoy here it is i think it's trying to be what it is and that is a a a movie to watch at halloween like the movies we listed before this it's not overly like frightening it has like a still it still has a family sort of appeal but Mm -hmm. for like a family with teenagers yeah exactly it still has all that yeah um and also like just because you mentioned it like the person who made this michael doherty he's the writer and director of this he also has writing credit on x2 and x-men apocalypse definitely his work on X2 and the fact that Brian Singer is a producer of this is why Brian Cox is in this. Sure. Um, but he Probably also directed one too. Yeah, exactly. He also directed though, uh, a movie that I think we should probably cover around Christmas time, a movie called Krampus starring Adam Scott. Oh and shit. And that movie's fucking awesome. I, I haven't really seen it. Good. So we will, we will do that at Christmas time. Good idea. Yeah, um, but Michael Doherty, he definitely does have this, like, throughout this movie and Krampus, it's like this great sense of of how a movie can, can really be ensconced in a particular time. Like, Krampus mm-hmm. is a great movie to watch around Christmas. Trick or Treat is a great movie to watch around Halloween, like... It, it it really not only just has the, the you know the good horror feel and the good tales and the good backstory, but it really just feels like it fits in that exact moment. I can't wait till he makes a movie for my favorite holiday of all, 
daylight savings time. Hell yeah. <laughs> where, where, oh my God, here's my pitch for daylight savings Hit time. It. Okay, there's an alternate universe, it, like, that is through spooky action connected to ours. Yeah. And so, on their world, they don't have daylight savings time, but they actually lose an hour each year because we take it from them. Oh, shit. Uh-huh, yeah. And so, on that world, they're slowly losing an hour each year, and they don't get it back because a separate universe gets that other hour. Or yo, what if the what if the storyline was about those people in that alternate universe and it's kind of like it's kind of like the purge, you know, where once okay. a year you get to do whatever you want, only for these people it's like once an hour for one oh, hour every for year. An hour, yeah. yeah, you get to hop into this parallel universe and just do whatever the fuck you want and then go back into your regular universe and everything's fine. <laughs> that would actually you could probably just pretty fucked up shit with that. You could. You could do some awesome shit with it. Trademark that. dead and lovely. Yeah, guys. Hey, all right. Nobody steal homeschool horror. I'm halfway <laughs> through that script. Okay. No, nobody can take our mannequin prequel yeah. where some uh, serial rapist gets put into a real doll. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Etc. We've got so many. <laughs> we really have. Every really time do. I listen back to an episode before we release it, because we, we record maybe three weeks in advance. Yeah, typically. Every time I listen back to an episode, I have to go back and, and write down all the ideas we have. Yeah, it's like, oh, shit. Hang on now. It's so good. Yeah, so the the story of, of old Mr. Krieg there is a really cool one where he is, uh, he's definitely the Ebenezer Scrooge of the whole operation where he is visited by literally the ghost of Halloween past because he's visited by the mm-hmm. ghost of one of these kids that he killed because he was the bus driver. Yeah, he was the bus driver and he is obviously, because what we see is he throws a bunch of pictures into his fireplace and it's almost like, He's never gotten over that event. Yeah. And maybe he's trying at this point to just put it behind him. And this is the time when it all comes back to him. Um, And so, yeah, we have him like he gets taught his lesson by Sam. Um, It's a hard lesson. Real yeah. fun. Fucking just the two of them beating the shit out of each other. And um, we get to see Sam's true sort of baby pumpkin head face. Oh, yeah. And and then Sam just leaves. Sam's like, okay, you've learned your lesson. And Sam just leaves. And then we see some trick-or-treaters knock on his door. He comes to the door all bandaged up, but he has candy to hand out. He's yeah. learned his lesson. Give out candy. Keep the traditions. But just like how... Uh, the the werewolf story sort of subverts like if you keep their traditions everything will be okay and 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 really drives home that you have to believe in halloween you have to have a strong spirit of halloween to survive halloween he gets a knock on the door and it's all the kids from the bus crash and they kill him like that's the end of the movie but like it gives us like that great uh, comic book, like comic strip, look at them just slaughtering him. I love to just how the kids <laughs> so look cool. when they're standing it on the porch. They're all like black yeah. and rotted and kind of mm-hmm. burnt looking. I think they look so cool. They they chose those costumes really well. The Dracula mm-hmm. kid who has the the only lines of any of those kids, 
He's so great. So perfectly done. Mm -hmm. The kid in the uh, rabbit costume, who's oh, like a so fat cool. kid. It's so cool and creepy. Like then the back, the baghead kid. It was just like the baghead bag. kid with like the weird teeth. Yeah, like, uh, yeah. It's so cool. It is. Yeah, man. like the design of those those costumes is so perfect. And then like it really plays well when they're also grimy and covered in slime from the quarry. Like, oh yeah, it's so it's so good, man. And, and again, the really fun thing about all five of those stories is that they are not just five separate stories that exist in separate universes, yeah. or even that were written by separate writers, as is the case in a lot of anthology flicks. They all again very much like pulp fiction are existing within the same timeline within miles of each other within hours of each other and we get to see their stories weave in and out of each other if you're observant and overlap and the, the timeline is all weird and wonky which is cool oh we we did forget one part of mm. course the important story where uh sam takes marcellus's wall marcellus wallace's wife to yeah. Jackrabbit Slims. Mm -hmm, he and does. And then they, she ends up uh, snorting his heroin and... God damn, I said god damn. Uh-huh, exactly. Exactly like that. She uh -huh. orders an expensive milkshake, which he finds silly, but then they do a dance to a Chuck Berry song. Yeah, and it's fun. <laughs> I Look, I listen, I'm imagining it in my head right now, Uma Thurman and uh, Sam from this movie doing... That dance and Jackrabbit Slams. That would be so awesome. <laughs> it absolutely works for me, dude. It absolutely works. I really, I really, really dig this flick, man. I, I love the fact, too, that, like, there's so little CGI in this movie. Uh, there's very, yeah. very, very little. Like we mentioned, the werewolves are practical. Old Pumpkinhead Sam is practical for sure. There's a shot or two where maybe, like, where he's on the ceiling or something that's, that's CG. Um, yeah, but only slightly because they, yeah. they do, it's it's green screened for sure. But like that's definitely not a CG Sam. That's an actual like person for right. sure. Exactly. And, and, you know, I was talking about that earlier with some friends and stuff, man. It's like especially in the horror genre, these filmmakers have got to get wise that true horror fans don't want to see CGI. Like we are the people no. that are the pickiest about I want to see the real shit you know it's like that that was one of my only really big complaints about the new it is some of the lazy cgi in it it's like they should know better mm. horror fans know what can be done with makeup and lighting and animatronics and puppets we know we've seen it you know if you've seen any of these great stan winston flicks you know yeah. how great an armature and a puppet and an animatronic and a makeup can look give us that and i love that this movie as much as it can sticks to that and i imagine the budget for this flick couldn't have been very big yeah i'm assuming not since it ended up just going uh straight to video but i'll have to look that up real quick well you keep talking yeah well that's the thing that kills me is like you know something like the it remake you know that thing had an ast absolutely astronomical budget and they could have just fucking hired you know greg nicotero to do some special effects makeup or whatever um, yeah this movie definitely didn't work on a gigantic budget and they still stuck to practical wherever possible again god damn it man fucking alien uh covenant dude it's like you have ridley scott money behind that and you can't fucking put me a guy in an alien costume horror yeah. movie fans want to see the real stuff we don't want to see fucking cgi 
you know, Michael Bay Transformers stuff all over the place. So I appreciate the fact that in this movie they stuck to it as often as they can. If I yeah. have if I have one complaint about this movie, and it's really only a partial complaint, um, I don't find the soundtrack to be especially memorable. There's a few no. themes in there that I think are pretty memorable where like there's that one of the kids kind of singing that's like, ah, ah, that part. Yeah. That's pretty memorable and pretty creepy, but um, that's in the movie a few times, and I do like that, and I can hear that and go, oh, that's from Trick or Treat. Um, But other than that, not necessarily a lot of super memorable score. I like the fact that they use, like, Sweet Dreams by Marilyn Manson. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, that is a cool scene. That's cool, man. There's some licensed music in there that's that's well-placed, I would say. Um, but yeah, you know, just the original score for the movie, other than the children's singing theme, which actually reminds me of one of the themes from Castlevania Symphony of the Night, which is probably why I like it so much. Mm. Um, other than that, I guess the soundtrack could have been a little bit more attention grabbing, but other than that, I really cannot think of much else that, that I would change. So, uh, you got any final thoughts or ratings on this flick, Steve? Man, I'll tell you what, I really love this movie. It's, it's just it's like monster squad where like it just has that perfect feel to it it's not scary it doesn't stick with me in that way but i don't for i can't forget it like trick-or-treat is a is a movie that i see everywhere in fact one of the things that i noticed this time was that in community season three on their halloween episode when they're all they're all telling tales horror stories because Brit is trying to figure out which of them might be a psychopath mm-hmm. and um uh annie allison Bree's character tells this tale of her uh trying to help convert a vampire into a good person and then it turns out she is a uh a werewolf who feeds on selfish vampires and i was like oh my god that's from trick-or-treat like yeah. that that's what they were doing and like so this movie's had impact it's still um Horror it's, fans it's love gonna, it. yeah it's gonna keep having impact i think because it still holds up so well like the the fact is that like because that you don't have any major stars in this i mean brian cox is definitely uh, a, a very great actor anna paquin's great there are a lot of people in this that are great but there are no major stars in this movie it's gonna be one of those horror movies that people watch you know uh 15 years 20 years from now and they're gonna think that they've found a gym like they're gonna think they found something that nobody else knows about yeah because like i never i never remember seeing this in theaters and it's like exactly video yeah and and it's going to be somebody's favorite movie over and over and over as it's on netflix hulu etc every year around halloween somebody's gonna discover this movie and be like oh my god i love this fucking movie it's a great horror movie i have no uh real major problems with it at all i don't think anything really could have been improved in any real sense i mean obviously the movie could be perfect i guess uh, in some uh realm but in this realm it's as perfect as a horror movie can get in my estimation yeah uh it's it's not my absolute favorite it doesn't scare me again it's not terrifying so 
when I uh, when I say I give it an eight and a half, that's it's a high eight and a half. Yeah, it's as high of an eight and a half as you can get. I, I totally understand that, man. I'm 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 with you, dude. It, it is completely a movie that was definitely made by horror fans for horror fans. And I mean, the best way I would think to describe it is it's like a cross between a major horror movie fan service movie like Cabin in the Woods meets Pulp mm-hmm. Fiction. And those are two of my favorite movies. I love Cabin in the Woods yeah. so much because that is so clearly, again, a movie made for fans of the horror genre. And it yeah. kind of like this movie, man, like this movie respects the genre of horror and it plays upon our expectations of what we expect certain character types to do. And if you're a fan of horror movies, those characters don't do what you expect them to do. Uh, it's got some twists and turns, but it never seems like super forced, like bet you didn't see that coming kind of shit, you know? (laughs) Yeah. It looks fantastic. Uh, the humor in the movie is very well played. It's like anything in the movie that tries to be funny is funny and it lands and it's delivered well because i think all the actors in this do a great job like i can't really think of anybody in this movie that sucks that i was like oh man this kid really drug it down or whatever i think everybody does a great fucking job man i really enjoy Mm -hmm. it puts me in the halloween spirit every single year i'll i'll never not watch this movie yeah and you know i'm with you it's one of those that i love showing to people that have never seen it because so many people haven't seen this flick because it did not get big yeah. distribution and stuff like that. So it's always fun to be like, you've never seen this? Oh, you got to sit down and watch this flick. And without fail, everybody I've showed it to is like, oh my God, I can't believe I've never seen this. It's fantastic. Um, I really love the movie. I love too. Um, I don't think we made a big enough deal about that cool kind of, you know, even though this movie doesn't have a framing kind of device like a lot of anthologies, it is sort of framed in this comic booky. Yeah. Panel drawing yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, we do get the idea that it comes from a comic book, which is like, it, that's like Tales from the Crypt yeah. sort of thing. Like, we get the idea that it has this source material in a horror comic because it shows us in the introductory credits these real cool comic designs. And at the end, we see these cool comic strips of Mr. Creed getting killed. So, like, yeah. so cool. Very, very cool. And again, it just leads you to think, oh, I bet the guy that made this movie probably read Tales from the Crypt and stuff like that. Yeah. All these other horror comics. Really well done. Just a really a love letter to the horror genre. So if you are a horror movie fan and you haven't seen this flick, definitely check it out. You're going to love it, man. For me, this movie is, man, it's it's a 9 out of 10. It really is. I really just enjoy this movie. This is a chicken soup movie for me where, like you said, it's not necessarily scary i wouldn't really say there's parts in this that do make me feel like chills or afraid or anything like that but i don't fucking care it just puts me in such a good mood to watch this flick so it's a it's a nine out of ten for me love it awesome all right so uh guys listen next week we're gonna be covering friday the 13th huzzah the og yeah yay friday the 13th you know kill mom etc blah 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 (laughs) um we're we're doing it particularly because next week there is a friday the 13th it is the perfect week to watch friday the 13th and be reminded that those movies had nothing to do with friday the 13th whatsoever it's true there was even a saturday the 14th (laughs) in there and a sunday the 15th and so on that's true but hey 
coming up in November, we got a big thing coming on. A Guess big what, old guys? Thing. Big old thing. November's got five Wednesdays in it, and guess what we're doing for those five Wednesdays? Uh, the I don't five know. Wednesdays of November are Nov Empire. <laughs> I see what you did there with the words. Yeah, yeah. So for Nov Empire, we're going to be covering five vampire movies. Now, up to this point, we haven't done a single vampire movie. We did do Near Dark, classically. As our first episode, but it was lost. The sadly. legendary lost greatest podcast of, of uh-huh. all time. So we're going to be posting 10 vampire movies on our uh, s- several different accounts, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, etc. And we're going to have you guys vote to decide what five vampire movies we cover throughout No Vampire. And you know what is one of my favorite things about internet voting is that the fact that I'm putting Twilight on the list of potential oh movies God, we cover no. <laughs> means we're going to be covering Twilight. Wait, oh, no. <laughs> so get ready, probably, to cover the five uh, silliest vampire movies we've ever covered. Oh, um, man. So anyway, uh, yeah, please go vote. Uh, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at DeadLovelyPod. And we have a Facebook group. I'll post the the or the uh, poll on each of those things. If you send us a vote by email, I'll go ahead and count it. Deadandlovelypod at gmail.com. And I guess if for some reason uh, you just want to shout into the void what vampire movie you want to see, try that and see if it works. Yeah, maybe we'll get like a telepathic resonance of... Something mm-hmm. that somebody, oh, I feel like someone just mentioned Bram Stoker's Dracula. Oh. <laughs> oh. Uh, <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening. You guys can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Ben Eller Guitars. Uh, where can they find you, Steve? You can find me at Steven Spratling. That's Steven with a V, the only way to spell it. I'd also like to encourage you guys to please go on iTunes and rate and review this podcast. It just takes a second and it really does help us out tremendously to show to show up on those searches and uh you know top 10 lists and shit like that really helps us be a lot more findable so you guys please be sure to go on itunes rate and review us uh even if it's just a one word review that says dope or something like that so just be sure to uh you know keep it g-rated or else itunes won't post it but yeah please do rate and review this show uh thank you guys so much for listening you guys have been absolutely delightful meanwhile me and steve well we've been dead and lovely fuck delilah bye bye (laughs) fuck delilah